Hello and welcome to In the Days of Noor with me, Noor, where we talk about Islamic-related topics and social issues. Today I wanted to actually read to you guys a post that I wrote November November 30th, 2015, and I wanted to read it because it's so appropriate to how I'm feeling right now. So if you follow me on YouTube and you can find me uh, Nuruddin Knight, or if you type in In the Days of Noor or Nuruddin Knight, or Nora should pop up on one of those, um, then you'll know that I recently did a video about a Muslim woman who was in a pornography magazine. Now, the magazine, many people have said, well, they don't do nudes anymore, which the truth is actually because once, I'm, once I went through all these different comments and these different information people were giving, um, it seems that they don't do full frontals anymore. So they still have nudity, but just not full-on nudity. And I was, what shocked me the most about this, I mean, there are all kinds of Muslims, all kinds of people doing all kinds of ridiculous things. So that's never going to be shocking. And I'm sorry about the noise, it's going to go off in a bit. But what shocked me the most is Muslims' response and how many people supported her. And that I truly did not understand. Could we imagine if a Muslim man was in Sports Illustrated or if a Muslim man was in um, Maxim? Would there be this sort of outcrying of support? I think there would be a, a more of a nonchalance about it. I do definitely admit that. I think Muslim men can get away with a lot of things, but I don't think they get a pat on the back for it. I think they just get away with a lot of it. No one says anything, which has its own issues, but no one really gives them a pat on the back. Whereas for this Muslim woman, a lot of people were giving her a pat on the back, like, this is great, she's opening new doors, or or trying to defend her. And the funny thing is that a lot of the posts I read, it seems like they were trying to defend her against people who were quote-unquote slut-shaming, and I've done a post before about slut-shaming, not a post, a podcast before about slut-shaming. I hate that term because if you are a slut in the, I suppose, traditional sense of the word, a woman who sleeps around with different men, that should be shamed. It is shamed in our religion. And again, we always have to draw the line. We have uh, the pro- the story from the time of the Prophet Wasallam where there was a man who was known to be a drinker and he <laughs> he always got caught drinking and he would get the punishment for drinking which was a, a physical punishment and one time when they were punishing him one of the men began to curse him and the prophet said to him said to this man do not curse him i swear by god he loves allah and his messenger And so we always have to draw the line. But unfortunately, I think a lot of Muslims are making the wrong line. They're taking it a step further. They're saying, don't even judge the person. And yes, it's true in our religion that you'll never truly know the state of anyone. I remember Sheikh Noor, he was talking about something, and he was just talking about the fact that we don't know. We don't know what our ending is. We don't know even him as a sheikh, as someone who has been through this journey of Islam and tasawwuf, he does not know what his ending is. And it shook me up because obviously as someone who is my sheikh, I think nothing but good of him. 
So even the idea that that could happen really shook me up. But the point is that it can happen. It can happen to any of us. And so we have to be between this state of fear and mercy always knowing and being afraid that we don't know what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to do to us, what state he will have us in at the end, and also hoping that he will bring us and keep us in a good state. At the same time, we do judge people by what is apparent. That is what all of these lovely book of uh, books of fiqh are about, that was a part of the Prophet ﷺ. Yet he was this amazingly merciful person, a mercy to the world. There's the story of a woman who committed, uh, I'm not sure if it was a, adultery or zina. It must have been adultery because the punishment for adultery is death, whereas the punishment for zina is uh, beating. And with all its rules applied and all of that. And this woman, she came to the Prophet ﷺ admitting her sin and she was pregnant and he said to her, go back, have the baby. And then she came with the baby, he said to her, go back, nurse the baby. And he might have sent her away about two or three times. Really and truly, this woman could have went about her life never worrying about this and asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for for his his mercy and his forgiveness and forget about this punishment like you know the prophet said it was seldom sent her back two or three times away from this punishment but she came back again the third or fourth time and then this punishment was finally uh, admitted to her and the the interesting thing is it's a similar story of someone began uh, no i think in this story then um some blood from her got on on one of their shirts uh, while they were administering the the punishment, and you know they sort of cursed it like so disgusted. And then again, the Prophet ﷺ spoke about how great this woman is. How how um, you know I'm sorry I don't have the hadith in front of me. Inshallah, I can try to leave a link or something below. But just talking about the value of her blood in the sense that. Because she was she sinned she she made a great sin, but she decided she wanted to repent and she wanted to repent in a way so that she could return to her God, fully repented, punished for this sin, and returned to him free of this sin, and so the Prophet ﷺ was merciful, extremely merciful, but he followed the law of Allah subhanahu wa taala. And so there's a balance we have to have as Muslims. The Prophet wasn't a free-for-all kind of person. He was merciful, yes, but he also administered the law. And it, and what we have to understand is that the law is not opposed to mercy. And that's what I feel like the state that a lot of us as Muslims have come to, that somehow the law is opposed to mercy, that somehow if you see someone doing something wrong, to point it out is not merciful, to admonish them for it isn't merciful, but that is completely incorrect. That is the life of the Prophet ﷺ. And it only goes to show how, how much we have distanced ourselves from the Prophet ﷺ, that we would think that somehow we're being merciful by not telling people right from wrong. And so the, when this as the situation happened, it just happened yesterday, and I really I had to get off Facebook. I need to be off at least a week or something just to ignore all this stuff about this woman in Playboy and all these people defending her. But I just think it's low, it's disgusting, it's unnecessary. 
I understand people. I haven't even seen them, anyone bash her, so I'm not even sure who they're defending her against. I'm not saying it hasn't happened, but I haven't even seen that. What I've seen on my timeline is person after person defending her actions. So it really reminded me of how important it is to be a personal Muslim. And I was trying to find the words and the thoughts um, to sh- to reiterate this to myself. And then I remembered, yes, I wrote a post about this some time ago. Because the Muslim Ummah, we don't know um, how long we're going to, as a collective, stay tied to the Prophet ﷺ. How long are we as a, con- a collective going to follow the rules of the religion? How long are we as a collective going to actually hold on to real faith in God, in the Prophet, in the Prophets, in the ways in the way of the Prophet, in the way of the Sahabi, in the way of the wives of the Prophet, in the way of the legacy of the Prophet? We don't know because Muslims are a diverse group, obviously. And as a group, unfortunately, maybe especially in the West, maybe not especially in the West, I don't know. But I think sometimes we take on this identity uh, politics that somehow Muslim has become a race. (laughs) Uh, Somehow Muslim has become like a culture. So, oh, the first hijabi woman to do such and such, yay, let's applaud. The first hijabi woman to do such and such, yay, let's applaud. The first Muslim man to do such and such, yay, let's applaud. And I'm not against celebrating quote-unquote successes because, you know, as this is, uh, with this woman in Playboy, I don't see that as a success. Um, but what I'm against is this idea that we should applaud for Muslims doing things that that equal them being accepted in the larger culture. Because if it doesn't match with Islam, what am I applauding? Uh, for example, there was a Muslim woman in an H&M ad. Good for her, but I, I don't care. It's like, for me, there's there's such a huge difference between my faith being Muslim, practicing Islam, and something like culture or race. When I see a black person doing doing the first such and such, if it's positive or relatively positive, then of course I applaud, oh, that's great for black people, especially what we've been through, what we've come from. Uh, if I see sometimes even a Caribbean person doing such and such, oh, that's great, that's positive. Um, but I don't, I don't make that same kind of connection with Muslims in general because for me, Muslim is not some kind of identity really it it is an identity it can become an identity but for me it is first and foremost my faith (laughs) it's it's what I believe it's my practice and so this sort of identity politics that I think the west desperately wants us to play into is I'm not interested in it all of these um these kinds of ads about I'm Muslim and I'm just like you. <laughs> like, I'm not interested in that. But what makes me Muslim is that I'm different from you. My Islam is what makes me different from you. Being, if I want to say I'm black and I'm just like you, or I'm Caribbean and I'm just like you, I think that makes more sense to assert that kind of humanness because that is about being human. But when it comes to faith and what I believe and what I practice, that is what makes me different from you so why there's so many and it (laughs) it's I think it's sad because I think that it's kind of an immigrant mentality it's part of the the detriment of 
immigrant Muslims being the face of Islam in America is that so many of them desperately just want to be accepted. And and I know this is going to sound harsh, but really and truly they don't care about Islam in the sense that they don't care about you knowing about Islam as their white colleague, as their white friend, as their black friend, as their whatever non-Muslim friend. They don't care about you knowing about Islam, knowing about their religion. All they care about is you accepting them and seeing them as one of yourself. And thankfully for, for black people and black Muslims by extension, I think that we've never been afforded that liberty to say we're just like you. It's always been America asserting to us that you are certainly not just like us, shooting us down, gunning us down, uh, treating us poorly, so that what we want is our rights and our protections, but we are very aware that we are not just like you. And most of us, not all of us, but a lot of us realize that spending any time trying to be accepted by the white population, the mainstream population, is useless, is not worthwhile. And so I'm a Muslim because it's my faith. If you as a Muslim are doing something good, of course I'll be happy that you're doing something good. If you as a Muslim are doing something bad or questionable, I'm not happy for you because, oh, but you're a Muslim, you're opening doors for Muslims, oh, you're you're a hijabi reporter, you're this, you're that. That is great, that is wonderful, but at the end of the day, th this is not about identity politics for me. The only reason I wear hijab is because I believe it's a part of my religion. Did, were I, did I not think it was a part of my religion? I would take it off right now. Um, did I not think modesty was a part of my religion? I would, oh, Allah, if I'd be modest enough, that's a bit of a different question. But praying five times a day, believing what we believe, that is because of faith. It's not because of this identity politics. So begging America, please accept us, please acknowledge us. It's just not ever been my priority. I'm sorry about the background noise. I hope you guys can hear me. I live in a Caribbean neighborhood, so that this happens from time to time. Um, you know, reggae outside. So I just want to read this to you guys and then uh, finish up. So I wrote this in November 2015. No more Muslim identity being a personal Muslim. I've been finding it very hard of late to be Muslim and even harder to be Sufi. Not Muslim in a political or ostentatious way. Living in Jordan, my visible Muslim identity is no concern of mine. Being here in Jordan, I don't worry about being a visible Muslim. I don't worry about how I should present myself to the world. I don't worry about, in any concrete way, the relationship between Muslims and non-Muslims. All of those, in many ways, superficial ideas are stripped away. And the only kind of Muslim identity I have to deal with is the only one that counts, a faith-based one. There is no concern, uh, there is no concern about how to present myself as a Muslim woman because that has been decided for me. There is no concern about relating to non-Muslims or Islamophobia because we're almost 100% Muslim. And we are the ones in power. This is when I was in Jordan. So what is left? What's left? All that's left is the kind of person I am when I'm in my apartment 
behind closed doors? What do I do on the internet? What do I eat? How much am I praying, making zikr, asking for forgiveness? Without the superficial personal PR campaign of Muslim identity, how much of a Muslim am I anyway? With only a personal relationship to God to show my faith, do I, will I, and how am I doing? Obviously, I won't answer those questions here, and that is the and that is part of the point anyway. Being Muslim is not about how I represent myself to you, or on this blog, or elsewhere online. It's not about anyone or anything but me and God. The saying that has become so common, often among ostentatiously wrongdoers, is, God knows what's in my heart. I never understood how anyone could be relieved in that assertion. What a frightening thing to know how little our public persona counts and how much our private deeds, thoughts, and heart counts. So I'll leave you with that. I just want to pull out the questions from this blog again so I, so you can reflect on it, inshallah, we can all reflect on it. What am I doing as a Muslim in my faith? Not how am I representing Islam for other people? Am I making a good impression? Am I being a, a good face of Islam? Am I showing people that Islam is normal and I'm normal? No. How am I doing as a Muslim in my faith? So I'll ask again. When you are alone in your house or apartment, what do you do on the internet? What do you eat? How much? Are you praying? Are you making vicar? Are you asking for forgiveness? Without the superficial PR campaign of Muslim identity, how much of a Muslim are you anyway? With only a personal relationship to God to show your faith, do you, will you, and how are you doing? Thank you for listening. Take care.